Hey Life Canton, Roger here. So glad that you're joining us, whether you're a brand new listener or a returning one. Be sure either way to like, subscribe, follow so that you can receive our podcasts and other things that we put out. Uh, this week was New Life Sunday, one of our favorite, uh, I will, I'll go so far as to say our favorite uh, kind of Sunday. This is Sunday where we gather to uh, worship and to do and celebrate baptisms. Um, we love it so much. It's it's what drives our church. If you just listen to our code series, you know that is actually one of our codes, Driven by New Life. Uh, if you haven't, be sure to give that a listen. Uh, but right now you're about to hear a message that Pastor Nathan gave during New Life Sunday talking about um, what New Life is and, and, and what it does and, and how it motivates us. So be, give that a listen. If you're interested in actually hearing the testimonies themselves head on over to our other podcast that we will be releasing should have already released uh, that has just those testimonies from that day also if you want to see the baptisms uh, be sure to head over to our uh, our website where we have all of our videos and you'll be able to see those baptisms all of them in person so uh, give this message a listen and be sure to follow up by listening to testimonies and, and watching some of those baptisms i'll talk to you in just a minute Oh, I am so glad you are here with us today. It is going to be exciting. Today, I want to bring the word of God so that we can a greater appreciate the testimonies we're about to hear, but also the joy that we get to experience. You know, our joy, our strength comes from joy and joy in the Lord. So I expect, no matter if you're joining us for the very first time or whether you've been here a long time or online, that you will get more strength at the end of the day. Anyone in here need a little more strength? Yeah, yeah, I'll take some of that. (laughs) And I'm glad you're here. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And we just finished a series on the code where people chose to commit to the things that make us who we are. And those people who took on all six of the commitments are partners. And like Jared said, we have 88 partners as of right now. And I expect that number to go up in a few uh, hours as you have still a chance to become a partner and to learn more information about that as well. Very next week, we'll be having a course for all of our new partners. And I am so grateful when I think of that, um, the people who have chosen to take on all six of our code commitments, I'm really grateful for you. And I'm honored to be your pastor and to be with you as I'm honored to be all of our pastors. See, the deal is just if you can't do all six, that's fine. If you can just do one, that's amazing. And so I want you to be thinking about how I can commit to the code, what I can do to be part of the song that God is singing. In fact, we actually had last week uh, a student decide to become a partner as well, um, which I think is a really big deal. As our students are allowed to become partners, are encouraged to because they're not the cho- just the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And uh, they're showing up in huge ways in our church, in really big ways. And I'm so proud of our students and what they're doing. We are driven by new life. That's our number one code. And I wish I could go through all of them right now, but we already did that. You can watch this. But driven by new life is about what today is. I talked about how strength comes from the joy of the Lord. And we are driven by that strength. And that really is new life. Celebrating new life. Experiencing new life. Seeing transformation in people is why we exist and what we do. So I can't wait to get to the moment when we're down here celebrating what God did. 
Not our system, not even our code and our way of doing things, but the name of Jesus Christ. So even if you're here just visiting, I encourage you to be expressive as you want to, to enjoy this moment and to be strengthened. I want to go into Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1 would be the passage for today. I preached on New Life Sundays, I think at this point, 12, 14 times. And people are like, do you ever get tired of preaching about baptism? And I'm like, no. Do I ever get tired of talking about Jesus? No. Like, this is a joy for me. And and as I was reading this week and as I was experiencing my own week, anyone had an experience of your own week? It was experience. It wasn't great. It was hard. It was difficult. As I was uh, dwelling on today, thinking about today, I was going through some things. And so if you're here and you're going through some things, you got good company up on stage. Hebrews 12, 1 says this. No matter what you're going through, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run. I love this imagery. If you have your Bible out or when it's on the screen, it says a cloud of witnesses. In other translations, it says a crowd of witnesses. And they mean the same thing. You can say crowd and cloud at the same time. But when I think about the cloud, I think about who this was written for. The Hebrews, the Israelites, the ones who came out of slavery. And when they were in the desert, as they were being led around, what were they led by? They were led by a cloud during the day and a fire by night. And that cloud referenced the presence of God. And wherever the cloud stopped, they'd stop. Was there a time frame? No, it was God's timing when the cloud would come back up. When I think about the cloud, it was God saying, I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. It represented the very presence of God. And they trusted in his presence. They would go where the cloud was. So he's drawing on that, but he's expanding it, saying this is a a cloud, this is the presence of God. And he's like, and as an Israelite, you would know this. And he says, but but there's more. There are people now. There are people with God, and that's the crowd, the crowd of people. I want you to imagine the biggest event you've ever been to, whether it was a concert, whether it was a football game or a soccer game or a football game, as they call it across the way. I want you to imagine that moment. Have you been there? Have you heard it when the crowd roars or maybe when the, everyone's singing the song with the person who is speaking? I want you to imagine that moment. You know, the World Cup is coming up in just a couple of weeks, and that one doesn't matter as much to Americans as our football, uh, but to the world, it matters. And the biggest stadiums in the world are soccer stadiums. And, and in a minute, it's not just going to be Americans who are saying, hey, this is the World Cup, let's get excited about it. But the entire world, billions of people will be cheering and shouting and yelling. That is the crowd. That is the crowd of witnesses. And what he is saying here is there is a crowd who is shouting, who's excited. They're shouting over you, and you are the one running. You are the one in the middle. You are the one running around. Everyone's eyes are on you. But it is not one of like, hey, don't mess up. It's one of encouragement and excitement and joy. Not only that, 
When we watch football right now, none of us have played college football. Well, some of us have. None of us have been in the NFL, right? But we all have our opinions on how things should go, yeah? And so we shout encouragement and we shout out loud, but we don't actually fully know what we're talking about, yeah? The difference here is he's saying, no, this is a crowd of people who went before. They are the athletes who have done what you have done. And so they don't just shout encouragement. They have been there. They have done it. And they know that you can too, that he can do it. That is what he is saying. In just a few little sentences, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a cloud, we are in the presence of God. He has descended. He is with us. And since there is a crowd of people yelling, press on. That's why as a church, we can be transformed, not just in baptism, but every day. We can throw off the things that entangle us. We can say like, hey, sin has no hold on me. Why? Because I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by the cloud of the presence of God. And I'm surrounded by a crowd of people who are saying you can do it. Can you imagine that moment that you've been doing something really hard and you just hear the shout when you're struggling, a shout when you succeed, this roar when you run? That is what he is saying, and he is encouraging people, since this is the way it is, keep going. What's beautiful is in a moment, we're going to hear some testimonies. Testimonies are uh, uh, evidence or proof provided and providing the existence of something. So what the people here are going to do, they're going to tell you a story, and in and of itself is a proof of what God has done inside of them. Our stories become evidence put down in history as it's recorded right now. It's going to be recorded next. They're evidence. It's a history of the new life we have found in Jesus Christ. It's powerful. And they're a way not just for the person to say, I am following Jesus, but for you, for you to be strengthened in your spirit, for you to remember. In fact, when they give their testimony, they're joining the crowd. They're joining the cloud of witnesses. And they're saying, this is what my God does. This is who he is. And that's something to be excited about. When the baptisms begin, we surround them around this water. And you'll see what we do in a moment if you're new and we'll be invited to it. We surround them in this water and we lay hands on them and we pray for them while worship is happening. And when they come out of the water, we roar. Why? Because we are representative of the roar of the cloud of witnesses. We are the ones in the room where all of heaven celebrates what God has done. So it's fun and it's exciting but there's a sacredness to it. There is a, there is a holy moment that happens when we do this, where heaven and earth align. You know the, the Lord's Prayer? May it be on earth as it is in heaven. When we baptize and when we worship God, it's the same. It's bridged. We're there. And that strengthens us because we need strengthened. First Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of what of many witnesses. For those who are getting baptized today, I want you to know and pay attention, the fight, the fight is coming. See, you are being baptized. It's going to be incredible. We're going to enjoy it. It's wonderful, but the fight is coming. The fight is coming. 
And what I mean by that is that God is going to keep asking you to die to yourself and rise again. He's going to keep doing it. And because you've taken this step of obedience and said, no, I'm going to put myself out there, he said, all right, let's go. And that might look like God opening up new ministry for you to be a part of. It may look like God helping you overcome sin that you've been struggling with for years. It might look like a new relationship, a new opportunity, but it also might look like God taking you down into some darkness that he wants to deal with. I don't know, but God does. But you're not running alone. You're not surrounded by a bunch of people looking for you to fail. There is no opposing team. We're all shouting and fighting for you. So baptism in this moment, it's a line in the sand. You're saying, I am putting a line in the sand. I am on the side of Jesus. It's a moment of decision. It's a commitment, and it has power, and it has purpose, and it will produce. God is looking over the whole land. He's looking for those who are faithful to do what he says to do, and that's what you are doing, and it will produce glory for God. So don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't grow tired and weary. Remember that God is good. And we don't have a God who doesn't know us. Jesus, when he came, he started his ministry by coming and getting baptized. He didn't need it, but he showed us the way to submit to God. And when he went down into the water and came out, the presence of God fell on him. And he said, this is my son who I am well pleased. See, Jesus, he showed us what to do. And he began his ministry in baptism and ended not in the cross, not in his death, but in his resurrection. That is what we do today. Hebrews 12, 2, he said, since you have this, since we have this crowd, verse 2, we persevere, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to focus in on fixing, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Uh, I lived in the, uh, the Northwest for a while, and we got to learn how to ski, and I was taught how to ski. And one of the things they teach you as you are skiing is when you're going down a hill that's empty, you're good to go. But if you're going down a hill and there's trees, you know what they tell you? Don't fix your eyes on the trees or you're going to hit them. Fix your eyes on where you want to go and keep them in your periphery. Understand that they're there, but fix your eyes on where you want to go. In racing games and in driving the car and that kind of thing, I don't race when I drive my car, by the way, but I've been taught to look at where you're going. You know, have you ever been on the freeway and you see something on the road and you just start drifting, right? Why? Because where your eyes are fixed, your body will follow. And so he's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. What do they tell you when you're nauseous and dizzy and you're spinning? What are you supposed to do? Focus on the horizon. The reality is all of us need to fix our focus on Jesus. And too often we fix our focus on the drama, I heard a pastor say this day, drama's going to kind of find his way home to you, whether you want it to or not. Stop inviting it in. <laughs> Amen. Anyone got some drama in their life right now? Stop inviting it in. But when you do, if you fix your eyes on the drama, what are you going to get more of? Drama. But you fix your eyes on Jesus, the drama shows itself for what it is supposed to be, which is nothing. We have troubles in this world. We have bills. We have things that have got to happen. We got situations and relationships. We got all of those things. And the focus for us, sometimes we just fix our focus 
on those things instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so baptism, New Life Sundays, is about fixing our eyes on Jesus, reminding ourselves this is why we do what we do. This is who we are. We are people who look forward and look towards Jesus. But he's not done yet. Because <laughs> he said, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. He, he was looking at something else, too, because he knew the cross was coming. He knew that he was going to die and suffer. He knew what that would do to all of his disciples. It would destroy them and wreck them. He knew what was to come. And yet, he scorned that shame because of the joy set before him. When you follow Jesus, you are joining this joy. It was a work of love on the cross that he did. And when you join Jesus, whether you choose to get baptized today, whether you're going to get saved today, whether you're going to take your step forward, you're joining in a work, a work of salvation, of love. And when we are part of it, we get to be part of this work of love. But the cost is high. But Jesus looked through it. Jesus looked through the cross, through the pain, through the suffering to joy. And who was he looking at? He was looking at you. He was looking at you and saying, I'm going to rise with their freedom in hand, with Tony's freedom in hand, with announced freedom in hand. That's who he was looking through. So he could look right through the cross and scorn its shame. When I was talking about, hey, man, this ski, just fix your eyes on Jesus and the rest will kind of fade away. You're all like, okay, pastor, I hear you. That's a nice thing to say, but I got a tree. I don't got a tree. I got a mountain in front of me and there's nothing I can do. I'm going to hit it. There's nothing I can do. I'm trying to be faithful in my marriage, but it's falling apart. I'm doing everything I can, but I don't have a partner right now. I have someone, someone who's given up. How am I supposed to fix my eyes on you, Jesus, when that's in front of me? What am I supposed to do when my child, who I've invested in and loved in, and said, this is the way to follow Jesus again and again and again, and they're going their own way? What am I supposed to do? I'm trying to be faithful with the money you have given me. I'm trying to be, but there are bills to pay. That's coming at me like a wall. Trying to have faith, but there's some sickness and some cancer in my life. There is a reality. How am I supposed to ignore that? Well, you get to follow Jesus' example and realize that He sees you, He knows you, He's with you, and He wants you to look through it to what God has. You're going to have to go through it, but He doesn't want you to fixate on it. I want you to fixate on Jesus and the joy set before you and your family. And that is faith. Hebrews 12, 3 considers, it says this, consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus. Whenever you're struggling, look, what did Jesus do? How did he live and whatever you're going through right now, if you would consider, ruminate on, dwell on Jesus and the fact that he was not high and away from us, but holy and with us. And he is here now. Grow weary and lose heart. Again, he's talking about running. 
And he's talking about what would happen to runners who exerted everything they possibly could. At the end of the race, they would just like fall over in a daze. But for some of us, we've been running so long, we feel like we're going to fall over in a daze while we're trying to run our race, while we're trying to keep moving. And he's saying, you don't give up. Remember Jesus. That same crowd is shouting to you, you can do it. You can do it. Driven by new life is not only baptisms, but the reality that we have a cloud and a crowd of people who are celebrating with us. We want everyone to encounter Jesus. You're here, and and maybe you're just tired. We want you to encounter Jesus. There's a new app that just came out that I heard about. It's, It's incredible, and I actually downloaded it, and it's called Be My Eyes. Be My Eyes. And the idea is this that there are people who are blind in the world and they work extremely hard to figure out how to order their life, but every once in a while they need some help. And so like a FaceTime call, this connects people who are unsighted with those who have sight. And so like a call comes up and you say, would you like to help? Yes, I'd like to help. And the blind person can use their phone to say, hey, am I supposed to pick this prescription up right now or this one? Or I can't tell the difference between this and this and I'm confused, I need help. And you get to be there eyes. Wow. Who here wouldn't want to do that? Who here wouldn't want to be the person who says, yes, let me help you. Let me help you. In reality, we have a cloud and a crowd of people who want to be your eyes when you are feeling blind, when you can't see what's going on. You don't know how to get through this. You need someone to pick you up and encourage you to step alongside you and prop you up so you can make it to the finish line. That is what the church is. That is who we are. We are the one who can be the eyes for those who are tired and weary when we can't see the way. Baptism, about a moment, we're going to get excited, we're going to shout, and we're going to yell. Baptism is joining the cloud and the crowd. It's yelling out. And it's not just you can do it. It's he will do it. Don't give up. Because we are weak. We don't have everything that it takes. We just don't. And yet God is saying to us right now, he is saying, I will do it. In fact, that's what we say around here. We say around here once in a while, we say, won't he do it? John was a little late on that one. We'll try again. (laughs) The phrase is, won't he do it? He said he would. Let's do it all together. Won't he do it? That's good. That's what we do for each other. You don't know what the person next to you is going through. You don't know. Maybe you do because they're your spouse and you're what they're going through. (laughs) That's funny. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) Romans 5, 3 through 5. Just listen to this one. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope, 
Hope is what we are creating here today, not because it's not real, but because it is the truth. What we are creating in ourselves is hope. Let me explain. Today, the way we use the word hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That's how we use hope today. We say, oh, I hope that I won't get a ticket when I'm getting pulled over. I hope that the money will land out, right? That's a certain expectation. But the archaic version, the archaic version meaning the old version, which would mean what we're talking about when we're talking about the word of God, is a feeling of trust. Hope is a feeling of trust. When we hope in God, it's not trusting that things will work out the way we want them to, but that they will work out and that God will do it. And that's going to look completely different probably than you expect. Baptism is a step of hope. It's saying I'm going to die to myself and trust Jesus because I'm hoping he knows better. But not hoping that it's going to look a certain way, hoping and trusting in him. We have the Holy Spirit who was poured into our hearts who says hope in Jesus. We have a partner in that. And I could spend hours on what the Holy Spirit does but here, today, it's about baptism. Baptism, practically, is, it's, it's water. This is a, a warm, warm water. It's a horse trough. It's nothing fancy. We go down into it. We invite people into the water, and they go down under the water, completely submerged. And in that, they symbolize something. They symbolize a death, a going into the grave. They're joining Jesus in death. And then they come out of the water into this new life, this new life of hope and trust in Jesus and the power to overcome and to go through things as a community together. It means acknowledging Jesus' death on the cross and joining him in the resurrection. It's rising in rebellion against the weight of sin and the finality of death. And Christ rose with our freedom in hand, and when we rise, we experience that freedom. This process of death in my life is arrested, and my life begins anew. Phrases we've said in the past that help us understand that as hope rises in us, when we stand on the grace of what Jesus did on the cross, and we boast in the glory of what he's doing, that's baptism. We're boasting. We're getting loud about what Jesus is doing. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and this is a feast of joy. That is what we do. But it all comes from fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews is telling us today, fix your eyes on Jesus. And when that's true, as the words of a song that we'll be singing in a couple weeks come out, when that's true, when we fix our eyes on Jesus and the obstacles are trying to distract us or the walls in front of us, We remember our trust, our hope in God, and we say, fear is not my future. You are. Sickness is not my story. You are. Heartbreak is not my home. Jesus, you are. And death is not the end. You are. God is calling you to be strengthened in joy today. But there are those that God is calling to be baptized today. 
Not just the ones over here. They're ready. But God has moved in your heart and said, it is time. It is time. And I'll let you know when you can act on that prompting. You can explore that in a moment. But there are those who need to follow Jesus today that know that I need Jesus. I'm broken. There's, there's no end for me but death without Jesus. There's no end for me with, but suffering for no purpose without Jesus. And I want to follow Jesus. And so it's your time to take a step into new life and to give your life to Jesus today, right now. And there are those who have stepped from the path. Even those online right now who are actually listening to this, not live, but on our podcast, are listening maybe a year from now, two years from now. It might be 2026 when they're listening to this. Wouldn't that be sweet if someone did in 2026 and they freaked out? (laughs) God is timeless. God is timeless. And he's speaking to you right now, and he's saying, now is your time. Time to follow Jesus. So would you close your eyes? Just open your hands. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit guides you. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and help people decide in their hearts what they need to do to follow you. And it could be those who need to follow Jesus for the first time. It could be those who need to repent and come back to Jesus. There are those who have said, I need to get baptized. And the group might be the same group. But there are those who need strengthened today. Those who need your presence. So God, I'm going to lead those who need to follow you for the first time through a prayer. But that prayer is for all of us to remind ourselves, to remind ourselves. So if you need to follow Jesus in this moment, I pray that you would pray something like this. Make him your own words. Talk to God. He's here. He's listening. He's been waiting a long time for you. Say, God, I, I need your presence. But I know that I've gone my own way. I have debts I can't pay. I have broken, I, brokenness I can't fix. I have pain I don't know what to do with. But Jesus died for me so I could experience healing, a new life, a life forever. And so I'm not going to hope like the world does. I'm going to hope like you say and trust you that you will do what you said you were going to do, that you will heal me, that you will make me new. I'll lay down my life and I will follow you into the life you have set before me. I will follow you the rest of my days and join you in eternity glorify you. Be my strength. Give me the Holy Spirit and use me to help others find this hope that I have found. Amen. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that message. Uh, If new life is not something you've experienced yet, I hope it was something that encouraged you to take that next step of baptism or or even that next step of just placing your trust in Jesus. Uh, And if you have been baptized or or are a follower, I hope that this message was a reminder of the new life that you stepped into on that day that you accepted Jesus and and on that day that you were baptized. Um, 
Also, if, if you have anything going on, uh, we would love to pray for you to get you connected to be with you. So be sure to fill out a Connect card uh, on our Now page or the Church Center app uh, and fill that out and, and let us know who you are so we can get you plugged in uh, or even if you have any prayer requests. Um, but I hope you have a blessed week. And again, if you want to see some baptisms or hear some testimonies, head over to our other podcast or to our website to see those. Uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye.